On Sky Talkers, we often say that Star Wars is tragedy, and today we wanted to dive a little deeper into what exactly that means through the theme of sacrifice. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey everyone, I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to what you described earlier, Charlotte, as a return to form. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's been a while since we've done a themed episode, and I feel like this is kind of the meat and potatoes of Sky Talkers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I, I say fun to come back to it, but also this is a really heavy topic and kind of an interesting time to be discussing it yeah I agree I so I have a whole list of topics that I want to cover and Caitlin picked this one so (laughs) I don't know why (laughs) I don't think that I think we're gonna try to not be like super sad in this episode there's just and I want to talk about it through basically the lens of looking at fiction even though it does make me sad so I don't want that to discourage anyone from listening that they feel like they're going to be really sad. But um, you might there's a be. lot of sacrifice. You might be. <laughs> there's a lot of sacrifices in Star Wars. And we want to talk about most of them. I'm sure we'll forget some because as we'll talk about, a hero's sacrifices are pretty, it's a crucial part of so many stories in Star Wars. So it'll be interesting to discuss. Yeah, I think it will be good to discuss. And I mean... As kind of a, an outline before we do the outline, of course, we'll be talking about Ben Solo. So if that is something that's still hard for you or you don't want to hear people talk about because you're over it, fair. Just know it will be coming. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm actually interested. I think I, I liked this topic. I wanted to talk about this topic because I think that there are so many great moments of sacrifice within Star Wars stories and moments that work really well. And then I think when we think about Ben Solo's, for me, that is kind of this point of comparison because for me, I know it doesn't necessarily work. And I think being able to talk more about this theme and I guess kind of analyze more if that's just my emotional connection to that character, if it doesn't actually work within the story, if it does work within the story and I'm just still sad about it, you know, I think there are a lot of layers to the theme of sacrifice and I think it will be good to go through Um, because honestly, I think most of our moments of sacrifice, I think that we're going to be highlighting in this episode I think makes sense. And like we're going to be talking about the hero's sacrifice and what that means, the implications of that, the outcomes of these moments are really pivotal in these stories. And so I think to be able to kind of discuss why some work for me and some don't and then, you know, for you as well, um, I think that will be interesting. I think it will be a good discussion. Totally. Um, I also want to say this just occurred to me. That just a, a spoiler warning, warning if you haven't seen any of the animated shows. Yeah, this will be spoilers for everything that has been released <laughs> up until now. So mm-hmm. uh, any shows and films, spoilers. <laughs> 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 um, 
But before we do dive in, I think before we get started, we do just want to remind you, plug to you, that we do have Clone Wars discussions going on right now. We just watched episode three of the Bad Batch uh, arc at the time of recording this, and we're having a really good time with Clone Wars. I think they've they've been the episodes we've recorded about it have just been so fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And so if you haven't listened, if you're waiting for like an arc to finish and or the whole series to finish, just know you'll have you'll have a lot of Sky Talkers to catch up on. So just put that put that in your download feed. Absolutely. I think the Clone Wars is honestly better than I even remember. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun to talk about it and everything. So I'm glad that you mentioned that, Keelan. Yeah. OK, so we're not going to do a three part uh, episode this time. We're actually going to do two parts mainly because we couldn't really figure out how to split this into three separate parts so it's it's not a true return to form it's a pseudo return to form (laughs) so true okay so in part one we're going to be defining the concept and kind of talking about sacrifice broadly and then in part two we like i said we are going to be going kind of character by character or film by film uh talking about the more specific moments of sacrifice in depth within star wars so without further ado let's get started so who talks first you talk first i talk first so welcome to part one, where we're going to be defining the concept of sacrifice. So there's a lot of floating definitions of what sacrifice is, and I kind of put them all together into one d- definition of sacrifice. And I just want to pause and say that I know that often when we talk about these themes, it could seem a little um, boring to define something up up on the onset of a discussion, but I actually do think it's really important to kind of put the thesis out there of what we're talking about. So this is what sacrifice means. It's a loss of something you give up, and it's usually for a better cause. Anything that you want to add to that, Caitlin? I think that the more that we've been thinking about sacrifice the past couple days, it is, I think it is just such a heavy term. I think it's, it has, I think a lot of like religious connotations, a lot of mythic connotations. I think it just evokes a very heavy feeling, especially when you're thinking about it in terms of like stories. I it doesn't even though like good things come out of sacrifice, I think there's always that feeling of sorrow or bittersweetness that comes along with it. It's it's not it's not a wholly positive word. Um, yeah. I think it's, it is, it is heavy. There's like this ritualistic aspect to it. I think there's, I don't know, there's like this weight and burden, I think that comes with the term sacrifice and, um, how we'll be, see- how we'll be talking about it in this episode. I think those are, those are kind of the, the feelings that I gather from it, even though mm-hmm. with a lot of our characters, like I said, good does come, sacrifice is necessary, but there is this this underlying feeling of sadness that goes along with it. Right. When I was looking up the definitions, there was a lot of questions and discussions about how it has a negative connotation. And I think I think what we might see in discussing the specific moments in Star Wars is that doesn't necessarily always have to be the case. I think Star Wars wants to flip the theme of sacrifice on its head in a lot of uh, situations. Not everyone, but I think that the the feeling is you're supposed to feel elated that someone sacrifices themselves for the greater good. 
And I think that perhaps in Star Wars, it has a more positive connotation than it does outside in the world. Would you agree with that? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I don't. The thing is, when you say flip it on its head, I kind of think that Star Wars uses sacrifice pretty almost like by the books. Mm. Um, I think it is. I, I do think it's like you can not that you can see it coming, but that it's it's expected or it's probable or it's a possibility. I think it plays around with that a lot. And I think I think we'll we'll be talking about it, but like Rogue One is kind of the perfect example. I think we all went into Rogue One thinking that some of these people are probably going to die and mm-hmm. that there would be this sacrifice sacrificial element to it. But then seeing all of them be like sacrifice themselves for the greater good of the rebellion, I think that was kind of the the plot twist there i mean i think every moment of sacrifice if you're connected to the character as well if the story has done its job i think that's where those dual emotions come in mm-hmm. and i think rogue one is the best example of that of like we've gotten to the point where we care about these characters so much that their sacrifice is so hard but that also makes it that much more meaningful i don't know i think that's i think that's an interesting point you brought up and i think i'm going to i'm going to keep it in my head while we're going through this <laughs> i say that because of my next question which i think in star wars often love and sacrifice are intertwined and i think that this happens a lot even in other stories, even biblically, biblically, um, where sacrifice and love go hand in hand. I don't think that's necessarily 100% true in Rogue One, but I think that when we talk about Anakin, when we talk about Ben Solo, when we talk about Kanan, all these characters, I think that the next thing that comes, like if you're talking about themes and concepts that are present in these people's sacrifice, it's always, always to me has to do with love. And um, I think that there's there's certain other occasions too, like the smaller sacrifices, like palp the one that we love to talk about, right? The casual blood sacrifice <laughs> that's has nothing to do with love, and it's a means <laughs> to an end. But I think that when we talk about in a mythic sense, often I think it is intertwined with love. Yeah, I think the other word that would go along with that love and sacrifice would be duty. Mm. And that it is the duty of like the Jedi to be sacrificial, to be selfless with themselves. So I think that that's also a piece of it. I think that I think they all go together and some more than others, right? It's like Kanan's, I think Kanan's was kind of almost like 50 50. It was his duty and also his love that brought him to that point and i think i think kind of the same with ezra as well like his duty to his planet and to the ghost squadron but also his immense love for them as well um i think they're kind of different in the convert i i kind of think we might see more of that theme of like duty and sacrifice like within the high republic series Mm. uh because that's supposed what we assume is like the heyday of the jedi so when they're when their code and everything is really firing on all cylinders. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think duty would be a, an addition to that. But I think you're right that love and sacrifice are, they really do go hand in hand, especially like zooming in on character by character moments. 
Yeah, I think that so often when we hear George Lucas and other creators talk about the Force and a coming-of-age story that we see in Star Wars, I think the, the conversation is always between choosing between the selfless act and the selfish act. Mm-hmm. And throughout Star Wars, our characters are given these choices constantly, and it really defines them, and they're able to change their path based off of it. And I think if I were, if I could take the place of the screenwriter, it's pretty easy to see why something like Sacrifice would be a perfect example of selflessness and like a final example of it, you know? Yeah. I think it runs the risk in a lot of films and in a lot of stories. We see this often with like heroes, like men and these women being sacrificed off for their like man pain, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In stories and how that can be a a pretty dangerous thing in a story. Not dangerous, just overdone and not interesting Mm -hmm. any longer. And I, I think that – I don't think that Star Wars necessarily does that, which I appreciate. I think that, like you were saying, this um, – what George always talks about, you know, selflessness versus selfishness, I feel like those are kind of his key words for describing the dark and the light side and what a Jedi is, the, the aura of a Jedi and what it means. It's routinely giving up yourself for others, being selfish, selfless, <laughs> and – whether that is in big or small ways. And then if the time comes, and we'll talk about this with Kanan about like accepting your fate and your destiny, mm-hmm. that this is that this is what you're called to do to to be willing to be that selfless to the point of death. I think that there's we have a whole episode on fate and destiny. And there is a an element definitely in Star Wars about death, sacrifice and destiny. And whether or not you're always fated to die in this certain way. And I think that that's where the force really comes in in a lot of situations. Yeah. I think that's what's hard with Star Wars is like, you know, the talking about like women being held off for a hero's journey specifically Mm -hmm. when we have characters like Shmi and Padme with Anakin's story. But then there's there all three of their stories are also so tied into the destiny of the larger story that's already been decided. I think Mm -hmm. that makes it a really hard conversation. And um, while there definitely could have been other paths for those characters, they were, you know, kind of sacrificed for, the story of Anakin's fall. You bring up an interesting point about how the sacrifice can be kind of tropey and super overdone, right? Mm-hmm. I think that it also, if it's done so much, then does it have any meaning? And this has been something that's been done in stories for thousands and thousands of years. And it only has meaning really if we care about the character. And, um, or if, if it's really followed out into conclusion, we have some sort of satisfaction and understanding that that needed to be done in order for the greater good. It's really all about the greater good, right? Yeah. And I, there, we have a, I have a quote here from Joseph Campbell about death, not necessarily sacrifice, but I think that if we're talking about death and sacrifice, it's all, it's all linked, you know? I'm going to read it. This is what he says. The last act in the biography of the hero is that of the death or departure. Here the whole sense of the life is epitomized. Needless to say, the hero would be no hero if death held for him any terror. The first condition is reconciliation with the grave. 
The hero who in, in his life represented the dual perspective after his death is still a synthesizing image. Like Charlemagne, he sleeps only and will will arrive in the hour of destiny, or he is among us in another form. I think that if I could kind of extra- extrapolate a little bit from this quote is I think that if Joseph Campbell is talking about a hero's journey through which he is through life and then death, it really I think I really like this line of here the whole sense of the life is epitomized. And the quote from Harriet that is, if all you do is fight for your own life, then your life is worth nothing. I think that when I think about uh, Canaan's sacrifice at the end, where he's able to hold off the fire in order for the entire ghost crew to escape and therefore sacrifices himself for the safety of well, of, of others, um, at that point, the mission of the ghost crew, which I think is that mission that Harris said in season one, um, your life is worth nothing if you don't fight for the life of others, um, is truly epitomized. And I think that that's something that we can keep in mind when we think about all these different sacrifices um, and if if they have meaning or not. Uh, you know, and I th- I think that just to go back to even the conversation about um, whether or not it's overdone or tropey, I think that something to bring up in this moment, and maybe we'll talk about it again, but I think Ryan Johnson flipped this on the on its head in The Last Jedi, where Finn was going to sacrifice himself, but we knew that that sacrifice would have essentially been for naught because the the laser was already engaged. So it wouldn't have been for the greater good. It would have been just for the loss of life. And if it's just for that, then it is meaningless. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And the thing I liked about the Campbell quote that you read, Charlotte, was at the end where it says, after his death is still a synthesizing image. Like Charlemagne, he sleeps only and will arrive in the hour of destiny or he is among us under another form. And I think this this really speaks – I think it parallels the best probably to Luke and mm-hmm. um, like the legend of Luke Skywalker still living on and that that in, its, uh, in and of itself is bringing hope to people even if the physical Luke is no longer there anymore. Like that's what matters. And I think that feeds into the larger conversation of these sacrifices being meaningful because we care about the characters and often if we're talking about you know kind of a like a hero like luke skywalker like we think of luke skywalker as kind of the hero right then um it's because of his impact on us as an audience but then also on the people around him within the story so that the characters within the world of star wars um he sleeps only and will arrive in the hour of destiny like the legend of luke skywalker will live on for when they need it most and i think i think we can kind of pull that like into the fact that like right now has that name too and that Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's like the name and the legend is sleeping with her and will arrive in the hour of destiny and it you know he's among us under another form you know, okay. it's taking on a new meaning. It's it's moved to someone else, that responsibility. Yeah. I think that you can apply that to anything. This under another mm-hmm. form could even just mean ghost. Yeah. It could. Yeah. It, it, I think I think you're right about that. I'm surprised that you made that <laughs> comparison. I don't know if you hear but, me like walking through it. I was like, I guess I agree with this. That's thing how that it I'm is. <laughs> Honestly, that's how some some of the stuff in The Rise of Skywalker is for me, where I'm like, wow, I just do not like how that was executed. And then I read things and I'm like, 
well, it makes sense if you think about it this way. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, obviously we'll be talking about the end of Rise of Skywalker. And I think it's just so, I still think it's just really difficult to talk about, honestly. because It is. Because while I can, while I can appreciate a thing like this, like with the Campbell quote and like Ray, Ray taking on that name now and all of that and like what that entails as far as like the legacy of the Skywalker family, it's hard for me to think that the creators were thinking that way Um, when it does, when some of the choices do feel so nostalgia based, I think that makes it hard because I feel like fans like us and like so many other people are like really trying (laughs) 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 and like these, these concepts are good concepts and I, and I think it does make sense, but I don't know. It's still, it's it's still a process, I think, for sure. Living with and I this think, film. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. And again, that's why we're having this discussion because it really helps to talk things out. Mm-hmm. I think that even for some sort of comfort for those who are, including myself, who are very sad that Ben Solo died, I think that if you're looking at this quote, like Charlemagne, he sleeps only and will arrive in the hour of destiny, or he is among us in another form. That gives me hope for Ben Solo in the future, because just like Luke, who arrives in Ray's hour of destiny in order to instill some hope and clarity in the Rise of Skywalker as he appears in a ghost, I think that perhaps the same could be done in the future with Ben, or he takes on another form. There's some sort of trippy thing that could possibly happen. Um I find comfort in this quote, uh, despite being still, it's three months later, and I'm still really upset about Ben Solo's death. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I see the logic in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, I, I, it makes sense. Okay, so the next question that I want to talk about is, is sacrifice scary? I don't know if I would say scary. I think it is bittersweet. Almost like almost mm-hmm. like what I what I was saying earlier at the top of the show of just it it's burdensome. It's weighty. It it has to and it's it's I think the better question, I think almost in light of our discussion that we'll be having about like these specific characters is is it effective? Um mm. I think, of course, I'm talking about mental. Is it scary, though? I think I think fearing for your character's death. I think whenever you're watching like a show, an intense show, be it Clone Wars or Rebels or Star Wars, there's always this out like the Star Wars films. It was in like Rogue One. It was this element of like, ooh, are they going to die? But I don't think we're ever thinking about it in terms of sacrifice. I think it's just like, oh, is there going to be a character death? I don't think people talk about character death and equate it automatically to sacrifice. I think character deaths are scary. The possibility of them is scary. But a sacrifice when you're – a sacrifice, I think, to really internalize it or not – I'm not explaining this well. But it's almost like you can only decide if it works for you or not as you're witnessing it the first time or mm-hmm. as you're witnessing it while you're watching something and the emotions that you have from it. If you're sad but you understand it, I think that's an effective sacrifice. I don't know. I think this is a good question. I think scary is a good word choice. 
I don't know. What do you think? I think sacrifice can be scary, but I think scary can mean so many different things. And I think you're right. I think scary can be personal. Like, is it scary to you or is it scary to the story? And I think often in Star Wars, it's scary to us, but not scary to the story. I don't think Star Wars Mm -hmm. considers its sacrifice with the Skywalkers to be scary at all. In fact, I think it thinks opposite. I think that it takes on the Buddhist kind of perspective of accepting death, accepting fate um, so often, especially with the Skywalkers. But I think that when we see like the casual blood sacrifice in (laughs) the Clone Wars and Rebels with Palpatine, I think that that is scary. But I think that the reason it's scary is because it is completely separate of the selfless sacrifice that you see throughout the Skywalkers. And I think that Star Wars is able to frame these scary sacrifices away from these basically not scary sacrifices um, by separating them by a feeling attention. And I think that that is kind of it's done pretty well, in my opinion. Um, I'm able to understand the difference. Yeah, I think there's this whole other side of sacrifice that we haven't really talked about yet, and that's the dark side of sacrifice. Yeah. And how that, I think, almost comes up more often when you're just, you know, casually Google searching sacrifice, as <laughs> as we've been doing <laughs> for the past couple days. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um, when you see of things throughout history of like animal sacrifices and even human sacrifices, it's often for the atonement of like a community or, uh, yeah, like a community or to save a community. Like the the myth of the uh, of the Minotaur in Greek mythology, that's where they would send a, like a, a shipload of teenagers that they sacrificed every couple years or whatever it was to the maze in the Minotaur and sacrifice these kids in the Minotaur so that it would be happy fed i don't know and it wouldn't like attack the village i don't actually know the whole myth but that's what they did um and that's the whole myth of the minotaur is this sacrificial element and i think the hunger games essentially yes (laughs) (laughs) suzanne collins (laughs) should have just referenced that because i know that story better than the minotaur (laughs) that's fine we're all in district 12 right now we're okay Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah there's this like you have to sacrifice something that is dear to you in order for the greater good but it is there's this evil element to it and i think there are pieces of this and like this evil side of it is the catalyst for so many stories just as the sacrifice for the greater good is a catalyst or not a catalyst but often the end for a lot of our hero stories too and the catalyst for the next story i think of <laughs> like little mermaid <laughs> when she has to sacrifice her voice in order to get what she wants but that sacrifice is turned on its head when ursula then uses it against her and it's her own voice um and it's like uh you know really bad (laughs) well yeah at that point the heroine sacrifices something to satan essentially ursula and then satan of course would use whatever goodness and that's represented by her voice against her later Mm -hmm. i think that that happens so often in stories but not I don't think necessarily in Star Wars that often. I really don't think it does. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what I think that 
maybe in the Clone Wars with um, the Night Sisters, perhaps. There's I think there's that sort of ritualistic aspect to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because of the things that I like my head is just drawn back to Disney movies with this kind of ritualistic sacrifice, like from The Little Mermaid, and then also underrated classic, The Road to El Dorado. <laughs> That's not a Disney movie. Exactly. Underrated. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? DreamWorks? Maybe. Either Warner way, Brothers? The Road to El Dorado, when they have to like make the huge sacrifice, when they're supposed to sacrifice all the gold to the god, but then it's just like it's a trick. It's not real. They're not actually doing that. And all these people have been believing this for years and years and years. And it turns out that it was a lie this whole time. And that was – and then that was the catalyst for the, you know, the big climax of the film. Um, and then there's also – isn't there also a sacrificial element in The Princess and the Frog with the voodoo doctor? Yes, that sounds right. Yeah, it's I don't remember what it is. But yeah, this like dark side of sacrifice. I think in Star Wars, maybe maybe the closest thing would be the Jedi kind of sacrificing some of their morals or their better judgment to let Palpatine into their inner circle or to be a part of these big decisions that they're making in the war, letting him convince them that they needed the clone army. I think either that or we're forgetting like a really big plot point. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there is that side of it. I mean, I guess in a way Anakin sacrifices his soul for what he thinks is going to save Padme. Yeah, that's a... But then it turns out that is a selfish sacrifice Mm -hmm. masquerading as a selfless sacrifice. And we find that out later. I mean, Anakin has all these... We'll talk about it, which we probably should just get to it. But I think that there's... Especially in our, you know, Greek tragedy that is Star Wars, our Skywalkers are given so many different choices in different moments where they have to sacrifice things. Um... And that ultimately will shape them to how they appear as heroes. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to talk about individual moments. Okay, welcome to part two where we're talking about specific moments of sacrifice within Star Wars. And really good, really sad question (laughs) to start (laughs) us off. Does the Skywalker series begin with a sacrifice and doesn't end with a sacrifice? Yes. Star Wars begins with a mother sacrificing her well-being in order for her son to have a better life. Mm-hmm. And it ends with a sacrifice of the son. A grand the grandson sacrificing his entire life for the well-being of someone he loves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I remember talking about Shmi as having sacrificial love for her son when mm-hmm. we were talking about whenever the last thing was we talked about the Phantom Menace and how that sacrificial love was to give Anakin a better life. And was it successful? Did was that sacrifice meaningful? Was it effective? I mean, it was effective only as to give Anakin a life where he it's it's a hard question to answer because i think that y- yes 
By the end of Return of the Jedi, you feel like Anakin's life has meaning, especially because at the end he sacrificed himself for the love of his son and for, you know, his son's own if his if Luke represents the greater good, then yes, Anakin sacrificed himself for the greater good. But really in that moment it was an individual sacrifice because of the love he felt in his heart for his son. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's so powerful, if I could jump ahead to Ben Solo, about Ben's sacrifice is that it directly links to Anakin's own struggle with Revenge of the in Revenge of the Sith, with he's willing to make a sacrifice in order to spare Padme's life where in actuality Ben was able to do exactly what he wanted to do but had no self selfishness in his heart at that moment and I think that in Revenge of the Sith Anakin did Anakin did have selfishness in in his heart it's tragic because we can see both sides of them we can see the duality that is Anakin Skywalker in Revenge of the Sith this this person who just wants to help people as Anakin said in in the Phantom Menace, but it is so clouded by the dark side and this, this lust for power. He says as much on Mustafar to Padme, but later in his grandson, Ben is able to complete what Anakin could not and kind of, not kind of, definitely bring life back in Ray, who was flickering, dying. And it directly mirrors Anakin's hopeful sacrifice in Revenge in Revenge of the Sith, and it, it, which he failed at, but Ben did not fail. Yeah, I think I find myself thinking, you, like, this is a hard question to be like, was Shmi's sacrifice worth it? Yeah, um, and I find myself wondering, like, if we could talk to Shmi, would she be regretful of her choice, seeing how things ended up? Mm-hmm. Would Anakin be regretful of the choices that he made to leave, to want to leave? Because they led him to the woman that he loved, Padme. Right. Then, That's what he- I was getting at too before. Yeah. That I was, I was like, well, he got to spend at least like three years with the woman he loves. But was that Sac- enough? Yeah. But in the end, that was, that meant sacrificing the entire galaxy for. Right. For. 30, 40 years. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it, it's such a hard question. And like knowing that all of, that is what makes the, the second trilogy so tragic is because maybe, maybe Shmi would say she regrets her choice, but the choice was made. I think Anakin, even, we see this in the Clone Wars where he's so lamentful lamentful isn't a word he's lamenting how his life you know his he doesn't talk about it he internalizes his past as a slave and i think that he's so filled with regret about what he's done to the tuscan raiders letting his mother die letting all these things it's a turning point in anakin's character in attack of the clones mm-hmm. and i think that in those moments, I think that he regrets even leaving, not being there for his mother. I think this is a a thing in myth, the, the relationship of the son to the mother and that attachment there. And I just, I would say that by the end of it, her sacrifice was worth it. And I would say this probably three years ago. I'd say this like 10 years ago, just because I feel like the only person that could save the galaxy could have been from the Skywalker line or else Palpatine would have risen to power anyway. 
And that's, which is really hard to even say that sentence because of the sequel trilogy kind of changes things. But I think if you think about those six movies, I think that's the story that was the arc that they were trying to tell, right? Yeah, that's the that's the thing. I think that if we're just looking at the original saga, that it is a it like the sacrifice is worth it. Mm-hmm. And even though there there was obviously like periods of of complete darkness within that, we end happily for our Skywalkers. I think with the sequel trilogy, I think that conversation is harder because I think if you're Shmi looking down the line of everything that has happened to her family, including Ben Solo, it's it's like this closed book almost. And I know that I'm like leaving out the whole Ray Skywalker thing. And I know I kind of had to come to Jesus with it in the last part, but I still don't <laughs> like you just have to know that like when I'm talking about the Skywalkers in here, I'm not talking about Ray Skywalker. And like that's not in my that's not part of my conversation about the Skywalkers in this episode. I'm sure we will talk about it, but just as like a disclaimer. <laughs> um, but like seeing that it all just did kind of lead to this to this ending where there were no more Skywalkers. And he – I don't know. And I think that's like me being personal about it of like I don't like the ending. The sacrifice – that's the weird thing. Like the sacrifice of Ben Solo, like him sacri- like being willing to sacrifice himself for Ray makes sense and is good and I'm for that. But the actual death of him, and I know that we don't like where is he is the big question. <laughs> but as far as what we know, like he's not there anymore. Like he's not in the physical world anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's really hard because I think that within if, – if we just had the, the third trilogy on its own, I think that – the ending makes sense, even with Ben's death. But I think when we're zooming it out to this nine-part saga from everything that has come before, and this is what we were saying for months, years before it happened, it's like, what is the point if it just ends in death again? And I think I'm still there and Mm -hmm. probably will be for a while, if not forever. Because that that's the weird that's like the weird thing about Ben Solo's death. Because you and I had always talked about it possibly happening, but it's happening within the sequel trilogy, isolated within those three films. I think makes a lot of sense and and works. But then the Rise of Skywalker itself was so padded with nostalgia and with a reliance on the original trilogy. But and then when you zoom it out to the nine parts, I don't know if that sacrifice is as effective anymore. I don't know. Well, I, I keep going back to why make Anakin and his mother a slave if you're not going to right those wrongs. And they haven't done that yet in like any sort of any sort of metaphorical way either. I just don't really feel that sense of roundness, I guess, with the the, the last episode reflecting back on the first episode. Yeah. I still yeah. think that their sacrifices are meaningful in the lives of our characters. I think that looking at it as a one whole circular arc is a tough thing to do. 
given the fact that like Shmi didn't think anything of Ray, like I don't think that that's like a conversation. That's a weird sentence to say, but I don't think that when Shmi said goodbye to Anakin, she wasn't thinking, well, this is a sacrifice I'm making for three generations. You know (laughs) know what I mean? I think it was a love of a, a mother's love of her son to live a fulfilled life. And I think that we could say that he did that. So I would say that that's successful, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But I think that it's hard when you zoom things out like that. And that's why I get hung up on the slavery issue, because I think that that would have been a a key link, because that has like a historical significance in the galaxy that would have bound it all together. Mm -hmm. But they could still do that in extraneous material, I suppose. But it is quite important to me in in the grand arc of the saga, because it is such a crucial part. It's like, why make Anakin a slave? I get it. It has metaphorical like significance over he started his life as a slave, he ended it, and then he's free at the end. Like, of course I get it. But I think that if you're going to make a third trilogy, I would have assumed that if George Lucas wrote this this third trilogy, that it would have rounded on that point. Yeah, I think it would have. And I mean, even the fact that we come back to Tatooine. Yeah. And like would the, I mean, would there have been time for something like that in Tross? No. God, no. It's interesting, though, because even with The Mandalorian, we return to tra- Tatooine, and that Tatooine is a changed Tatooine. I don't think that I would have been satisfied in The Rise of Skywalker if we saw an even more progressed Tatooine like we saw in The Mandalorian. Yeah, almost Perhaps like if- it was a little bit more subtle, but, yeah, you know. If- yeah, if like the similar to how we had the celebration scenes at the end of Return of the Jedi having some kind of visual cue, like a, another visual cue that things have changed here, mm-hmm. possibly could have gone a long way. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's I think you brought up a great point about like Shmi was not thinking about the fate of the galaxy when she <laughs> uh, let Anakin go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I, you kind of have to wonder if maybe she was. She could have. I mean, given, she did have a virgin ver- birth. She's thinking about how special he is. Yeah. And, and given what Qui-Gon tells her about, you know, his midichlorian count is off the charts. Like, And he never... was born to help them, you know? Yeah. So maybe she is. And <laughs> I think the hard thing in, like, your, your – you, I can tell that you're, like, better about this in this particular conversation of, like, reminding me that what's happening in the story – like, what does it mean for our characters versus what does it mean for us as an audience – because I feel like I'm really focusing on the audience perspective of these things, whereas our characters are not – they don't have that vantage point that we do, mm-hmm. which I think is odd because The Rise of Skywalker kind of acts like they do, um, yeah. which I don't think is a, is effective uh, personally. Yeah. Um, so again, it just – it makes the conversation difficult, I think, in regards to – like Ben Solo and Anakin and Shmi's because I think that they kind of have some of the biggest moments of sacrifice. Um, and I'm glad that we like get to talk about Shmi because she doesn't get enough. <laughs> yeah. She has – her sacrifice is – I wouldn't say is the most important just because I don't – I don't think that we should rank things like that. But it started everything off. It is – Maybe the most crucial part of The Phantom Menace, for sure. Yeah. Him walking back, walking away from her. My God. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what that's what is 
comes to a version of closure, I think, with the rise of Skywalker of like it was Shmi's sacrificial love to let her son go and then Leia's like overwhelming love to welcome her son back, mm-hmm. which I think there is that what you've been saying, that roundness there, which um, is complicated with Carrie Fisher, of course. But I think there is that element of that in the rise of Skywalker that um, is comforting. Absolutely. I think that we can talk about how that could have been executed and definitely clearer in the yeah. movie, but it is there. Yes. And it's it's there. And I'm really grateful for that because I do think that that is so important, this mother's love of her son um, being a theme that comes up in the first episode and the last episode. Um, it was really crucial for us even about Ben's redemption. It was something we talked about endlessly. And I think it it did happen. And I think perhaps it would be something that would have happened a little bit, a lot clearer had Carrie Fisher still been with us. Yeah, definitely. I think that within Star Wars, it's nice because I feel like we see the direct outcomes of the sacrifices our heroes make so that Mm -hmm. we know that it wasn't in vain. And I think that's something that I'm really grateful for in this story and I think is – it's like a part of the DNA of Star Wars, of it being a story for young people and being able to follow these story beats uh, that are kind of – like with the hero's journey are, you know, kind of step by step. Um, but then when you like you can dive deeper into them. Like that's I mean, that's what's always so great about Star Wars is that you can see in the immediate moment what's like what the outcome is. Like with Ben Kenobi with um Obi-Wan in A New Hope, when he like basically sacrifices himself with Vader, the direct outcome is that Luke Khan and Leia are able to get away that Vader is distracted in that moment. And you can follow these like very direct outcomes and see the benefit of this sacrifice, even as you're still kind of reeling from it yourself emotionally. Right. And Ben Kenobi's sacrifice is, you know, we talk about Shmi's being the first, but let's be real in terms of timeline. uh, Obi-Wan's sacrifice is, was perplexing yeah. in the best way because it was the first time I think in Star Wars that we were able to see a character willingly die for the greater good and accept it to the point where he disappears and goes off into the netherworld and we're supposed to feel hopeful about that to the point where it, like I think it was maybe one minute later we hear Obi-Wan's voice over Luke. So there's... Yeah. This moment where obviously we have the whole scene where Luke is really bummed out that Ben died, but I think that you get that that moment of, oh, he's gone, oh, but he's still there, you know, which is comforting and kind of sets the rules of Star Wars, you know, and it really does, you're so right, have direct impact. I think that you can parallel this sacrifice, Obi-Wan's sacrifice with Kanan's sacrifice in Rebels, which... I wouldn't say Obi-Wan's is like particularly devastating. Maybe that's just me. That's my personal opinion about it. I didn't I think that when you watch A New Hope, if especially if that's your first Star Wars movie, you don't really feel that much for Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think that you think about him as the old mentor character and knowing the way that fairy tales go, you kind of expect that to happen. But 
obviously you watch it now and you know everything like you you and mcgregor is obi-wan kenobi and you're like wow what a life you know <laughs> but <laughs> but i think if you just watch you know 1977 star wars i think that's the 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 general vibe that you get and then you're you're upset for luke because that was a father figure that he had and now his has lost but that's really it um but i think with kanan kanan's sacrifice i think is probably one of the most emotional moments in all of star wars and again you see the direct impact of they were able to get away there's a visual parallel there of an individual sacrifice for the group and that in star wars the group is is han luke and leia and chewbacca and then it then in rebels it's the ghost crew and i think that dave filoni was very conscious of that choice and um but for kanan because we know him and we know the 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 love he felt for his crew and we've been with him for four whole seasons and also in that moment he has this mythic insight of regaining his sight and you know saying i see you oh my god it is so good right i'm 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 not remiss remembering that right uh he doesn't say i see you uh hair it's okay he does see her though he just doesn't say it i i think harris says that to him before like earlier like when he just becomes blind but he he does see her he does see her you're right um i think that yeah let's talk about kanan because ben solo is making me sad uh (laughs) let's have kanan make us sad. (laughs) yeah yeah i'm just gonna switch sadnesses (laughs) Mm -hmm. i have my glass of wine i don't always podcast with wine but i love to do it when i'm particularly sad about a topic we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) um but i think that i think that kanan's is a good one to talk about because we do have a lot of um, like insight from the creators about this moment, which I don't think we have as much uh, of with our other characters, like with Shmi, with Obi-Wan in A New Hope, even with Ben Solo in uh, The Rise of Skywalker. I do think that Kanan, Kanan, like his sacrifice gets its due both within this story and then also as an audience. I think it works like everyone is given time to grieve in a weird way, I think that's a big part of effective sacrifice within stories, too. But uh, Dave had this interesting thing to say during the – this is all pulled – a lot of these quotes are pulled from the Rebels Recon episode about – what are the episodes? Jedi Knight and Doom. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know what it is about Rebels, but it just makes me cry. Rebels is so emotional. <laughs> Because I think it's it's the perfect, yes, I think it's the perfect blend of the music, the family, the individual, the force aspect. It's just, oh man, it definitely is the shelf, though. It's putting it on the shelf, it's putting it on the shelf. (laughs) The I just, man, I when whenever people tell me that they're watching Star Wars and they haven't watched. Uh, any of the animated shows I think even now more than ever I'm like well season four rebels is literally some of my favorite stories out there so you need to get on that yeah <laughs> um because it is uh Anyway, a lot of these quotes are pulled from uh, the Rebels Recon in the episodes when Kanan died. And Dave said this great thing about the Jedi, which I think is really important for the character of Kanan because he's always kind of chasing this idea of what a Jedi is, but knowing 
that he isn't that and can never be that because he's no longer like there isn't an order anymore. And I think a big part of Kanan's story was realizing that you don't need a Jedi temple to be a Jedi. And uh, I've always Kanan is my favorite character on Rebels. So like seeing seeing him go was hard. But Dave said, quote, Jedi have this ability to turn the tide, to make a significant moment, to give hope where there's none. That's their ultimate role, to be this example of selflessness. And that's what, make them, that's what makes them a hero when no one else can match that heroic thing. And I think that this is like the audience side of a sacrifice. And they talk about this a lot with Kanan's sacrifice in particular. And even within like the characters themselves within the show about this lesson coming out of it and like wanting like there to be almost this payoff of it not being in vain. And like for Ezra, he describes it as learning his last lesson, of knowing what he needs to do now because of what he learned from Kanan's sacrifice. And I think that's the hard thing with storytelling is you have to toe this line as a writer, as a creator of making sure that your character is not simply dying because another character has to learn a thing. It has to feel more organic and authentic than that. And I think like when we were talking earlier about like a love interest dying for like a hero's motivation, that that kind of feels inauthentic now because it's been done so many times. But I don't feel that way about the rub- like about Kanan's death. For me, it does feel really authentic to the story and what was necessary um, both for Kanan's character and then because of that. Ezra and Hera and Sabine and Zeb and even Chopper were able to take their grief from that and turn it into something positive to turn it into motivation. And I think that, I think um, Hera, um, not Hera, Vanessa was talking about this when she said when he when he does die, when he does sacrifice himself, it allows the rest of the ghost crew to really reevaluate what it is they're doing. Is it worth it? And they all come to the conclusion that it is. And it allows them to recommit to their end goal of uh, defeating the empire on Lothal. And I think that, I just think that his death was done really well. And like I said, the fact that the character we get time with the characters to go through that grieving process as an audience and to be able to see the direct and the indirect outcomes of that monumental sacrifice is is really important as an audience. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that you bring up an interesting point about the sacrifice was not only for a character, say Ezra, to learn a lesson. I think that that is part of it though because it has to be Mm -hmm. because Ezra's sacrifice at the end of Rebels which we still don't really know the outcome of but we do know that it saved the galaxy or at this point Lothal Ezra's sacrifice would not really have been without Kanan's because I think that he had to go through the world between worlds to understand the idea of letting go and realizing how important that that one sacrifice is and i think that it you're right that it doesn't always have to be about a lesson but it is part of it and it should be part of it because that's why stories are told yeah you you know and i think that ezra's sacrifice at the end is so meaningful because we did just watch like four episodes before kanan do this and 
we don't know the outcome, but because we have this catharsis about Canaan's own sacrifice, we are sure we're I'm a little restless about like where's where's Ezra, but at the same time, I'm still satisfied by the ending of Rebels because the galaxy was healed and I have a a great confidence that Sabine is gonna go bring Ezra home, as she says in like the last line, you know? And yeah. I I think that because of the catharsis that we got through Canaan's sacrifice, we're able to um kind of accept the ending of Rebels, mm-hmm. if if that makes sense. And feel satisfied with it, too. Yeah. Um, I think that it is – I think Rebels is so satisfying. Like what you've been saying, like there is this catharsis with it. And it wasn't like – a hero's death can happen at the very last moment of a of a story and still be effective. Um, what's nice about Kanan's is that it's not, and that there is that there is that time for that catharsis. And um, Dave and the cast and crew talk about this: how you almost see like this regression with all the characters, and they talk about Ezra in particular and how he kind of reverts back to his angry self. And when he's with Ahsoka in the world between worlds, he starts talking about like he's just he's so sad, and he like this line that I think everyone relates to of growing up of, of him saying, you know, I just wish that things could go back to the way they were. I missed my parents. I wish they were here. I wish Kanan was here. I wish things were different. And this like real sadness that you know that it's not and it can't be. And it's like there within the world between worlds that he does come to that greater understanding that he can't take Kanan from the what Ahsoka calls it, like the moment when he was needed most. And through that understanding, he's able to be enlightened about the moment when he's needed most in the season finale and being able to like track all of that. And like Ezra, Ezra sacrifice is the very end. And that is super effective because like at the end of the day, Ezra is our main character in rebels. And like, like we were talking about like having these lessons and stuff, you don't want it to be so one-to-one and so obvious, but this is a story and it is like aimed at a younger audience. And so like there are, there do have to be these lessons there, and I kind of like how Rebels it was kind of very blatant about it. Of it, like this was the last lesson, um, mm-hmm. and it makes sense too because they were master and apprentice. And I just do you remember because that was right after the Last Jedi came out, and how <laughs> Luke in the Last Jedi kept saying, "I have three lessons for you," and then he only does two, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we were like, "Oh, this is the third lesson," and come to find out that. They just cut the third lesson out of The Last Jedi. <laughs> that was one of the deleted scenes. Like, it wasn't this whole, like, there wasn't that kind of connectivity in these stories. Um, but I think it's funny because I think that Ezra's third lesson would also be Luke's third lesson, too, because that's what Luke does at the end of The Last Jedi. Um, it's this meaningful sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, and how it does like they are propelling our other characters forward who are more central like they are more the main characters and i don't know i think that i think that his works really well the other aspect of kanan's that uh, sacrifice that i think is really great um is the kind of the ritual that he goes through beforehand and this kind of goes back to us talking about almost the darker side of ritual and like ritualistic animal sacrifice and and even human sacrifice or um like 
like in Little Mermaid, the ritual of signing this contract to give away her voice. Like there's this, there are these steps almost of preparation. And Dave talks about it when um, uh, Kanan uh, takes off his mask, how he shaves his beard and he cuts his hair. And he says this really interesting thing about that moment. And Dave basically says that Kanan is aware of what is happening in all of this. Like he's preparing himself and he does describe it like it's very much like a samurai. And he says, quote, uh, Kanan realizes that this might be his role, not to die, but to be selfless, to do things for other people, even at the expense of yourself. And that that part in the middle where Dave says that Kanan realizes that this might be his role, not to die, but to be selfless. Uh, because it's not like sacrifice. I think like Kanan doesn't walk into this battle knowing like, well, I'm going to die. It's the idea of being prepared to die. That if mm-hmm. this is what it comes to, I am willing to do that. But it's like, you're, it does have this hopeful tinge to it. Like I am going to give it all I have. It's like what Jin says in Rogue One. Um, We'll take the next chance in the next until there aren't any left. But but the hope there is that there might be enough chances for them to actually make it off. But Mm -hmm. then at the end, there isn't. But there is like it's still hopeful. Yeah. This acceptance. Yeah. I think is a major part of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, And like enlightenment, too. I think that we're not talking enough about Luke's sacrifice in The Last Jedi, which I think gets sort of muddled in conversations with The Last Jedi and how controversial it is, whatever, right? Um, but I do think that if if we wanted to parallel it, it's interesting because I don't think I've ever thought about it through this lens, but I think that Luke's sacrifice falls into a Kanan and Obi-Wan Kenobi sacrifice because in the end, the people that they love are able to get away. And Luke's is like cosmically important because it is his sister it's his family and it's crucial for their survival of the resistance but also it it had adds this added element that's just the coolest thing ever of astral projecting yourself across the galaxy and that ability is you know once you learn more about that you realize that that takes all the strength in the world you know uh kylo says you're not doing that the effort would kill you um, I think that Luke's sacrifice really does fall under this sacrifice distract in order to get a, to let everyone get away. And it does have direct, like you say, in Star Wars, you know, you have this immediate un- understanding of why that was helpful. For me, at least in The Last Jedi, I immediately see that the only way that they would have gotten away is with the help of Luke and I, I suppose the help of Rey. So these two powerful four Caesars. Yeah, I think you're right. Like Luke's sacrifice does fall in line with Kanan and Obi-Wan's. I think his is almost like you're right. His is more muddled than that. I think that the direct that the direct and the indirect outcomes are a lot uh, more conflated with Luke's yeah. decision to do what he did, um, especially given that there isn't really that catharsis in The Rise of Skywalker about it, like was kind of set up at the end of The Last Jedi, because I absolutely think that he is there to be a distraction. But part of the distraction is also atonement for what he did and Mm -hmm. confrontation too. Um, I think it is, it, it is really important and it, 
it's magnified too because Luke is this legacy in the galaxy and the last jedi tells us that much and so does the force awakens that he is this larger than life more than his name kind of legacy and how he wants nothing to do with that but he does kind of have to take back up this mantle um but in order to take back up that mantle it it's through this really personal thing of confronting his family again that he's run away from. And that is what causes his legacy to be magnified again, uh, galaxy-wide, because it was a distraction. Right. I think that's, again, the brilliance of the Ryan Johnson screenplay of having these two sacrifices, both Finn and Luke, I think. You can compare them because one was going to end in tragedy without any sort of meaning really i think that finn thought that he was supposed to be doing that but in the end that's you know we're we're saving what we love right um we're not dying for a meaningless cause we're saving the individuals around us and i think that with luke luke demonstrates that he's literally saving what he loves but also you're so right he is confronting this individualistic turmoil within him he's confronting the trauma of what he has done to his nephew and also he's giving kylo a chance to not kill another family member but instead realize his mistake immediately this is something i go back to over and over again um and i think is it's a direct callback to the force awakens of what came before it i think that by having kylo think that he wanted to kill Luke later only to realize that he actually didn't and then Luke dying by a different form which isn't by Kylo's hand but instead in his own self-sacrifice it's interesting because one of the takeaways from the last Jedi is the theme of failure Uh but we have these moments almost of like effective sacrifice and ineffective sacrifice throughout it like starting even with Poe in the very beginning when he basically is willing to sacrifice his squadron because his like everyone the the resistance fighters because he's not looking at the bigger picture and he's not listening to leia um no hero what what does she say no leaders only what is the quote (laughs) dead heroes no leaders yeah dead heroes no leaders and they were all sacrificed from poe's decision and it was the wrong decision Mm -hmm. And then we have Luke's sacrifice of giving all of himself in order to save his family, but also to confront Kylo and to say his peace with Kylo. And I struggle too with that moment of thinking like, is it a moment of Luke wanting to give Kylo another chance? Because he tells Leia, I can't save him. So, like, is Luke being selfish in making this moment about him of getting to say I'm sorry to make himself feel better? I don't know. I think that's a good question. I don't necessarily think I agree. I don't think he is. Yeah. I think that he is, as a hero, voicing his concerns that he's held for I don't know how long since that last, you know, that moment in the Jedi Temple. Um, I think that he is 
expressing his apologies, which he should do, because if we go back to another thing that we talk about so much is this lack of communication, especially among the Skywalkers. And here's a, a good moment of, I'm sorry, you know, finally it's verbalized. And I don't think Kylo is in any position to accept this apology, especially at this point, but it is out there. It is verbalized. And I think it needed to be in order for Luke to honestly pass on. Um, if that wasn't verbalized, even if Kylo doesn't accept it, even if it's in the maybe not in the best light, who knows? Um, I don't know. I think that that needed to be said. Yeah, I think it did too. I think it gives it, for me, it gives it a different light with the rise of Skywalker, honestly. Because mm-hmm. it does seem more selfish, I think, mm-hmm. with the events of the Rise of Skywalker, because Luke never does talk to talk to Ben again, importantly, or even Kylo Ren in that moment of redemption. Um, because you're right, like I don't think it was selfish in the in the Last Jedi by itself, but there's that other piece of it too that like Kylo wasn't ready to hear it; he couldn't receive it; he was still so blinded by his anger. To see that Luke was was sacrificing everything in himself in order to be able to tell him this um, mm-hmm. when he could have just raised the X-Wing that was there and taken it there himself. <laughs> but in The Rise of Skywalker, like not having that catharsis, that mourning, that reckoning of family, of the Skywalker family, I think makes it it puts it in a different light and um, it does seem a little bit more selfish. I think now to me, if, if I am kind of dissociating like the directors and the intentions and everything and just kind of looking at the story itself and what all these pieces together tell me, I think it was hard just with the last Jedi itself, because like we've been saying, it is just a very convoluted moment of what is the motivation here what's the motivation truly and i think we had that conversation too with like ray going to kylo on the supremacy like is she willing to sacrifice herself to like bring him back for the resistance or is it for him too and both can be true at the same time within the film and i think that's Mm -hmm. true of luke's sacrifice too and that it is a little selfish but it's also more overwhelmingly selfless Yeah. I don't think you can be human and not have this tiny selfish part within you, though. You have to think about your own self-interests, but hopefully your actions reflect the selflessness. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's tough, man. (laughs) I mean, it is. It is. There's a lot... There's a lot here. And I think that we should also pivot to talking about Rey because at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, there's a lot of talk about the the term sacrifice in the rise of skywalker palpatine says it it's the way that he wants he wants ray to complete the sacrifice in order to allow all the sith to live with inside of her he says complete the sacrifice you know make the sacrifice and if we can go back to our original discussion about is sacrifice scary again this is a situation mm-hmm. i think that sacrifice is scary here and it's not it's not done into in in total because it is like the wrong form of sacrifice through the star wars lens yeah again palpatine if we want to look at the casual blood sacrifice and that is a scary one it is a selfish sacrifice and it is something for like a means to an end this is another occasion of that right of yeah 
Ray striking down this Palpatine body in order to allow all the Sith to reside within her. And she's about to do it until she sees Ben and she understands that that is a no. (laughs) You know, there's more to live for, you know, and there's definitely a better way to go about this. And again, if I'm going by the text of the movie, I don't have to agree with it. But I think that's what it's saying is that this sacrifice, this specific one, Ray striking down Palpatine in order to allow the Sith to live inside of her is meaningless. It is just a means to an end and it means nothing to Ray and it means nothing. It would just wreak havoc. And like, thank God for Ben for showing up in that moment and for the force bond to activate because that <laughs> you could just honestly, simply bad sacrifice and Ben's own sacrifice to save Ray, good sacrifice. Right. I think that's what the, the, the script is saying at least. Um, I don't know. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think, yeah, you're right. Um, it like, because at first Ray is going to be sacrificed and then she is going to do the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And then Ben is the one who's actually sacrificed. Okay. Well, let's talk about another important sacrifice that is kind of sparked the entire will or will he not be redeemed of mm. Kylo Ren. And that is Han's sacrifice. Indeed, I think that some people wouldn't even call this a sacrifice. Yeah, you see, I think I think it is. I've always thought it was, and I know. I think when we look at it next to Kanan, to like what Dave talked about with Kanan in Rebels, I think there are a lot of parallels there as far as like the the preparation, like the the quote that that Dave used to talk about Kanan. This might be his role. Not to die, but to be selfless, to do things for other people, even at the expense of yourself. I think this can so easily and like work so well when applied to Han. I think that is exactly what's going through Han's mind when he approaches that catwalk. Absolutely. I think that that is kind of the imperative that Leia sent him with, too, when yeah. they went to go bring his son, their son home, right? Yeah. And it's it really is Han's sacrifice that is able to bring Ben back to the light. Of course, it is Ray's confession of love, but it is this within himself, and that's why Han manifests in The Last Jedi, I mean, not The Last Jedi, oh my god, in The Rise of Skywalker, um, because the, it is this, this part of him that that sacrifice has to be whole and it has to have meaning and it it does which is so satisfying and that i i go back to when we watched that for the first time caitlin and i was like so overwhelmed like i couldn't stop crying because it was like finally seeing all the things that we talked about like i really did feel in that moment i was like han's sacrifice is worth it because in yeah. this moment ben is turning back and he's seeing his father again like it was shocking i had no idea yeah and it was i i feel like we can give credit to the last uh, to the last i keep doing this the rise of skywalker <laughs> because it was able to kind of round it out finally of all this debate that we had for four years about whether Han deserved to die or anything like that you know similar arguments to that because in this moment you know Ben conjured up this image of his father and his father was able to forgive him and that's exactly what he was doing in The Force Awakens but to see it here as he throws away the saber in this mimic moment of 
what we saw in The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. we're able to move on and to have this catharsis, honestly, of Han's death. At least for me, I don't think this is, you know, broad in terms of every single person in the audience. I understand that. But I think that it's that's the purpose of it is you're supposed to understand that Han's death set Kylo, set Ben Solo on this path of redemption. And without his death, I don't think that we would have seen it all the way through. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that that's I think that's that was our takeaway the minute we saw it happen in The Force Awakens. I think even learning when we do that Ben was Han and Leia's child, it was like, oh, well, we have to bring him <laughs> home. Um, yeah. This can't this can't be where the Skywalker ends. And, and like at that point, it was like, well, I guess right could be a Skywalker too, like a, a blood, a biological Skywalker, like the sister or something, um, or Luke's child. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> 2015 was a different time. <laughs> bringing myself back to 2015. <laughs> me, on the, me on the Ray Kenobi train, I was like, she's never going to be a Skywalker. <laughs> How I long for those days. <laughs> but I think, you know, talking about Han's sacrifice, it was, I remember thinking, oh yes like he's definitely gonna die in this in this film that's like we were very convinced of that and seeing but that's the great thing about like even the fact that that one of my favorite tracks on the force awakens soundtrack torn apart uh is when ben when kylo kills han the fact that it's called torn apart is so telling and in that moment you always want to there's always that moment of hope of like Kylo could choose something else. He he could not do it. You know, like you're not the first time you're watching it, you're like, is he gonna take his hands? Is he gonna give up the saber? Is he gonna kill him? That moment of indecision where you're on the edge of your seat about what's gonna happen. And we see that played out again in The Last Jedi, where Kylo does make the better choice of when Ray and Snoke and Kylo are all in the throne room. And, you know, it's the the scene where he kills Snoke. And you think it's that moment too, what is he gonna do with the lightsaber this time? Is he going is he actually gonna kill Ray? Is he going to, like, can he do it? We already saw him kill his father. Can he do it? But we know that that deed split him to the bone. And Han's, like, that's what we said is that, like, for Han's sacrifice to be meaningful, even if we don't see it as a sacrifice, for Han's death to be meaningful, to have meant something in this greater story, then had to be redeemed. Because that's what Han wanted when he walked out on that catwalk, is he wanted Ben to come home. And if Ben hadn't, which I guess he doesn't really, um, but if he hadn't returned to the light, uh, it would have been meaningless. And I am thankful that there was at least that catharsis there and getting to see Ben make the right choice, the choice he should have made way back then. Yeah, Um, I'm going to correct you. And when you say that he doesn't come home, well, he does because of what Han says, you know, when, when Ben is in tears and he's like, well, she's gone. Um, I, it's too late for me to come home. And Han goes, you know, it's not, you know, for what she stood, what she stood for everything, right? You can go home to that. And I think that in that moment, we know that that's, that's Ray, that's the resistance. Um, but really it's Ray and Ray equals love. Right. And I think that it's the only place she's the only person that she's he's ever felt comfortable with that they're a a dyad in the forest they've shared everything right so i think that home is a tough 
tough word because yes, he doesn't come home in The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi, but I think home for Ben would probably always be with Rey. And that's exactly where he goes. Mm, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I, I mean, I agree with you, but I, I don't think that Han and Ben's conversation is at all about Rey in that moment. It's about no, Leia. no, 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 not in. Well, in, in the Rise of Skywalker, it could be. No, sorry, that's about. what I meant. In the Rise of Skywalker, what did I say? Anyway, in the Rise of Skywalker, when they're talking about it, I feel like they're talking exclusively about Leia. Like she's gone. I can't go back to her. And then that's when Han says everything she stood for is still mm-hmm. there, um, which you're right. Like Ben's home is Ray, and it is Leia too, and like Han. I think obviously Ray is number one, but the like guilt of not being able to see his mother, I think, is what we see first from mm-hmm. him. Like after he comes out of this like redemption moment, um, and knowing that she's gone is like really hard for him i don't know I, I i am looking at it more in like a physical sense like he never did get to go home like there never was yeah. there was no hug <laughs> between Leia if and only ben. there was a hug <laughs> <laughs> literally if there was one ben and leia hug i would be a happy camper <laughs> <laughs> um i'm here for the hugs yeah you're right i mean i think that that ray is his home and he did obviously go to her i think thinking of home in the long term is yeah. more of what I meant. But you're right. You're right. Um, he does, like, the first person he goes to is Ray. hmm Yeah. The long term yeah. of getting to live. <laughs> Han, Han's sacrifice is meaningful, but I think that we can go back to a lot of people don't even consider it a sacrifice. Some people just think about it as, like, a – just a meaningless murder, but we're here to say that it has mucho meaning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mucho meaning. <laughs> mucho meaning. So Sorry. why don't we talk talk about Rogue One? Yeah. Rogue One, man. That's hard. I feel like we, we say this all the time, but I'm still shook that they went there and all of their main characters were killed off. Yeah. Yeah. And every single one of them, every like what's so powerful about Rogue One, there's a lot of things that are really powerful about Rogue One, but man, that third act is just so good. I I think that each character gets an individual moment to accept their fate. Mm-hmm. And it is so important in understanding how meaningful their sacrifice was. And one by one, until the very end where you have our two main characters, the characters that we started the movie with, to accept their fate together and hug as they die, their selfless selflessness and their sacrifice has meanings for the whole galaxy, especially I, I don't know, it's it th- that story just always it really always gets me. And mainly we have to talk about Rogue One in this because Rogue One is a story of meaningful sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You Walking out of Rogue One, I'm going to guess if you didn't think their sacrifice was meaningful, you probably didn't like the movie. But I do think that the the movie, the whole point of the movie is to show that it is meaningful, that you can walk out of it and still feel hope. I mean, that's literally the last line, you know, and it's almost like this 
micro analysis of how important sacrifices are in the Star Wars story, because without these this whole, you know, the Rogue One team um, giving their life for the greater good, essentially, literally one by one, I think that, you know, Star Wars wouldn't the story of Star Wars wouldn't be the way that it was. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like what we were talking about with Rebels, how Kanan's sacrifice allowed the ghost crew to recommit to what they were doing. And Leia implies that at the end of Rogue One when she's asked, what did they bring you? And she says, hope. Mm-hmm. And that is part of why the Rebels are fighting so hard. It's brought up in that meeting in A New Hope, you know, that uh, – many boffins died to bring us this information and and like this idea of sacrifice and like we have to make sure that that their deaths aren't in vain and it's rallying um i think that the death of a hero the death of a central figure it is a rallying point for a lot of people in stories like this and i think that rogue one functions as that of us getting to actually get to know that rallying point that they are within a new hope and there is like that's the that's the beautiful thing about rogue one is that it does this double duty in that even though the the end the third act is all of their deaths and sacrifice one by one the whole third act is catharsis Mm-hmm. Even as we're watching them all die, and that's mainly due to the visuals and the music that's going on throughout this whole thing. Like the whole third act is just – it's mourning and then also action. I think it's really masterfully done, honestly, um, because I think that's kind of what we're getting at with like Ben Solo is that a big piece of it's that that's missing is the catharsis piece of it. And like Kanan gets that moment of catharsis. Ezra, we get that moment of hope with Sabine saying that she's going to bring him home. Um, With Obi-Wan, we get to see Luke being super bummed (laughs) Mm -hmm. about it. Uh, And, like, we see him mourn his father, too. And with Ben, there isn't that. And there definitely could be that in the future, and I think there will be. Um, It should have been in The Rise of Skywalker, though. Just saying that. And like, and even with like Luke's sacrifice in The Last Jedi, like Leia, Leia has like this moment of sadness with him when he appears to her. And then they do have like it's even given like the catharsis is given a track title of peace and purpose. And mm. like being at one with the decision, with the choice that Luke made, knowing that that was his role, uh, was to die. And um, Han, too, gets that as well. Like, we see Leia mourn him. We see Kylo mourn him. And we see Rey mourn him. Um, And that's not present with Ben Solo. And I think that that is a big piece of why it's difficult to kind of come to terms with. But I think Rogue One – sorry, I went on a tangent again about Ben Solo. But Rogue One, I think their deaths are within the catharsis, too. I think it, it, it's really cool how I think that's done. And like the fact that the end of Rogue One, the third act, is presented as this sunset. And it is like the end of the day, the end of their chances and, and of their lives, too. Yeah, a really cool thing visually about Rogue One is it's great that it, 
it just is waking up, right? We start off dark and then it gets – it's light and so bright on Scarif. Mm-hmm. And then you're right. It ends in a sunset and it's it's over. It's it's done. But I think you're right that we we mourn them as it's happening. And it's so powerful. And mm-hmm. we know also just the, – the unique thing about Rogue One is that, yes, it's a quality movie – but it builds off of ev- like our our knowledge, the audience's own knowledge of Star Wars in general, and it leads directly into the original Star Wars movie. And because of that, we know how meaningful the sacrifices of these characters, who were nameless even before this movie, but we know how important this information was because it's truly the main MacGuffin of A New Hope, right? You know, this this information vital to the survival of the rebellion and all these things. We understand the, the, the importance of that because we're aware of pop culture and we're aware of the story that Star Wars is telling. And I think that even that is magnified. There's this meta understanding, I think, that's happening in in Rogue One of how honestly self-referential it can be to the saga as a whole. And it really does have a chance to kind of expand upon how important sacrifices are for the greater good of the rebellion and the good guys, you know? Yeah, I think that's such an important piece of Rogue One, too, is that it does lead directly into A New Hope. There isn't, like, because the third act was this mourning period, but then it sweeps you into this hopeful place, too. And Revenge of the Sith does this well, too, you know, ending with the damnation of the galaxy. But then we know that the new hope is coming and we get to see baby Luke and baby Leia with their families and we know where their stories will go. So there's hope there. And Rogue One feeds into that as well. The Last Jedi does this too, even as the darker middle chapter where we end and everything seems like it's down and that all of these sacrifice. I mean, we didn't even talk about Haldo sacrifice. Um, right. But that There's is- so many sacrifices in Star Wars that we're not talking about and not touching upon. Yeah. It's there. It's just endless. It mm-hmm. really is. <laughs> yeah, it is. And the extent to which they're given, like, it, it's all dependent on like whose story is being told because like in a new hope, it's just this throwaway line in the crawl. And then when they're talking about the, the, what they the mission that they have to do but then like 45 years later we're given this beautiful story and now it's suddenly so much more meaningful and i think that that's true of everything in star wars but the sacrifices in particular and like holodo sacrifices is really important and in kind of a weird way it's given like more meaning in the rise of skywalker and just the fact that they're still talking about it and Mm -hmm. that like a year you know whatever eight 12 months later it still had an impact on the resistance there and is something they're talking about yeah i think that's something to bring up though in that the importance of talking about a sacrifice after the fact. I think that you're right to bring that that point up in The Rise of Skywalker. I think that it's kind of said in jest, but you're right that, there's, that clearly the resistance is still talking about it. But one has to wonder what is being said about um, Anakin's sacrifice, Vader's sacrifice. Um, well, I think we do know, right? We know because we've read it in Bloodline and how... Ray even approaches the the thought of, you know, a Jedi who brought him back. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story of 
Luke being able to, you know, bring his father back through sheer act of love uh, is is carried on and therefore makes his sacrifice even more meaningful. And I wonder, I just hope that, you know, Ben's sacrifice has that same meaning and yeah. will will be carried on in the future because Rogue One's sacrifice, yes, it is important because it is referenced in later as well. And I think that that's, I, I don't know, like honoring a sacrifice is kind of important in this long told story and seeing it come up late. I don't know, even in, in, in Rebels, when you get the epilogue at the end of, uh, you even see Jason Syndulla. I think that that's a, a way like narratively to honor Kanan as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just, a mention, I think, in the future of their sacrifice is important for that catharsis to happen and for the the real meaning of of how, you know, a, a, some something that could be seen as a tragedy affects the day to day life of these characters in a positive sense. Yeah, exactly. And it's part of, I think, like within the discussion of the war and like with Rogue One and Rebels, like we said, it's part of this like recommitment to the cause of all. And I think the Clone Wars does this too a lot with like the clones themselves. Uh, We're seeing this in Bad Batch right now of Rex confronting the fact that he's lost so many of his brothers and what was their sacrifice for? They were good soldiers. They did what they were supposed to do. And now... I have to carry on and continue to be strong or else it meant that their sacrifice was for nothing. Mm-hmm. And that that carrying forward, holding the torch of their story. You know, it's like it's Hamilton, you know, who lives, who dies, <laughs> who tells your story. Who tells your story. Yeah. And that's so important. And some stories are told for longer than others. But I think I think that's present in a lot of cultures of if your name is still spoken, then you're still alive. Like if your memory is still alive, then you're still a part of the world kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And I think, I think Hamilton is like the best example of that. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story. (laughs) And like there, some, some stories are told longer than others. And, you know, the Rogue One story was a direct line of hope for the rebellion in their most crucial hour And then the name and the story of Luke Skywalker and what he sacrificed, what he was willing to sacrifice to save his father. Uh, And then at the end with Luke, with Leia and Rey and the resistance and with Kylo, like that piece of it will be told too, is being told. We already see that at the end of The Last Jedi. And like with Rey, you know, you hope that Ben Solo's story will be told too. Um, are people yeah. telling the story of what Luke did to Ben the way that they're talking about what Ben did to Han, about what Vader did to the galaxy, to Alderaan, of what Anakin did for all the people he helped in the Clone Wars? Like, there are so many layers and there are just so many sacrifices and tragedies throughout. Like, who's in charge of the history books? <laughs> well, I think that that really speaks to the whole postmodern thought of when you write something down, it becomes important. And I think that that's exactly what you're getting at is that once you, you know, discuss the sacrifice and put meaning on and your it's it's on your lips, then it it lives forever, basically. 
And I, I Star, Star Wars really gets at this. I think that especially in the new canon, it really has been... I, I think that even in, in The Force Awakens, it's so interesting that, you know... Ray thought of Han as a smuggler and Finn thought of him as the war hero and all these things, you know, about how how are names told throughout the galaxy. And if I could just go on a tangent a little bit about Ray's heroine's journey, yeah. I I think there's something here about telling the story, but also being conscious of the sacrifice. And Maureen Murdoch in her book, The Heroine's Journey, talks of I'm definitely gonna mispronounce this, but Justinana, um, and this is a myth, but I'm not going to go into it. But I just, you should probably know that it's pretty similar to the Hades and Persephone myth, except it's more sacrificing for um, their sisters rather than uh, like love, essentially. And this this character also has to live in the underworld for six months and above for six months, but. Maureen Murdoch describes this character as as the like the 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 modern heroine and if I could just read this quote um I'll extrapolate on it she is the new feminine. She is a wise woman who is in touch with her feelings, humble and conscious of her sacrifice. She's willing to endure the cycle of descent, ascent, and descent. She is related to her own masculine nature as well as the depths of her feminine. She is a model of one who is willing to suffer humanly, personally, in the full spectrum that is the goddess. She ends the pattern of scapegoating goading by choosing to confront the underworld herself. She blames no one. She has much to teach the modern-day heroine. She makes her descent not only for the accolade and the approval, but the experience of the full cycle of her feminine nature. She gains wisdom of the cycles by change, accepting the dark, distinctive, instinctive side, accepting the dark, instinctive side, which helps us find meaning in suffering and death, as well as the light, joyous side, which reaffirms our strength, courage, our life. I think this is so important because it really, this quote really kind of, spoke to me of this idea of recognizing the importance of sacrifice, being conscious of a choice that you make and understanding that one has to carry, whether it's a dark sacrifice or a light sacrifice, all these things that we've talked about with you in order to to move on. And I think when we talk about Ray and her own heroine's journey, I think there's there's a lot to be said. And we'll probably talk more about this on the podcast in the coming year about whether or not Ray's heroine's journey is finished. But I could argue that it is through this quote, because I think that her sacrifice and Ben's sacrifice, I think, are are intertwined because Ben sacrificed himself for her and they're one. And I, that's what the movie argues. Right. And I think that here she is. uh intertwining her masculine and feminine nature and is able to move on to to accept this this sacrifice because it is part of herself. I don't think that the narrative necessarily says that at the end, but perhaps it could be argued that by her taking the Skywalker name, it is an acknowledgement of that sacrifice and an honoring of it as she goes forward. I think that's really generous. It's it's really really <laughs> yeah. generous. Yeah, I but, think, and I, I'm a, I'm aware of that. Yeah, I just I, think and, I know you are, and I don't even really know if I fully agree with what I just said, but I think it it is a reading. You yes. Know? Yeah, that's reading this. I think the part that stands out to me is just being conscious of her sacrifice and mm-hmm. this acknowledgement of the cycles of life. 
kind of thing and having that wisdom that this isn't just a one and done situation. Like we are constantly going through these cycles, these ups and downs in life and moments of sacrifice. And not every sacrifice has to end in death either. I think we see that a lot in Star Wars, but like Shmi's sacrifice did not result in death. I mean, obviously immediately. She she did die later down the line, but she didn't die because Anakin wasn't there or because she gave up Anakin when he was five years old. That's I wouldn't argue that. I mean, I think you could argue that like she does die because Anakin doesn't get there in time, but that's not correlated. I think like that's too much to be like, well, she had never given Anakin up, like for him to go live a better life, then she would have never died. Um, I think those those moments are like too far apart, really, to put yeah. them together like that. Um, but I think like Ray being conscious of what she was willing to do, of what she might have had to do, is really important for her heroine's journey. And I mean, I think the piece that I think you and I are both hung up on within her own heroine's journey is, of course, like the accepting of the dark yeah. and that taking the Skywalker name kind of seems like she's not accepting the dark um, and that being like her her heritage and her lineage that she was given in The Rise of Skywalker. I think we both would have said she already had come to that point within The Last Jedi um, yeah. when she was in the cave. But like now having the full story, it doesn't really seem that she's come to that conclusion. But I do think that she has concluded with other pieces of it and uh, like being I think like that part of like being willing to suffer um, personally in the full spectrum that is a goddess Mm -hmm. I think that just that falls right in line with Rey because she is I assume she's still a catalyst of the cosmic force Mm -hmm. and um, like willing to go with the ebbs and flows of what the force kind of requires of her I'm not sure if that's the best way to describe it but knowing who she is within the force and how she is important to it and how that is going to require things of her that maybe it isn't of other people. And it's kind of like, you know, the Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibility. And sometimes that responsibility could be sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that if there was an epilogue to The Rise of Skywalker, I think I think I would be confident to make this claim that this this line, she gains the wisdom of the cycles of change, accepting the dark, instinctive side, which helps us find meaning and suffering and death, as well as the light, joyous side, which reaffirms our strength, courage, and life. I think that that could be expressed. Like, I think that if I, if I work hard enough in my brain, I can accept that she understands the cycle of life, like you said, Right. And I think mm-hmm. that in terms of her accepting the dark, I think that we would argue, at least last year, we might argue that her accepting her the, her darkness is in, intertwined with her accepting Ben. Um, but it gets a little it's it's a little difficult because if they're if they're really two parts of a whole in the yin and yang, then yes, you know that's her accepting the dark side. But I don't think that she fully confronted that in The Rise of Skywalker. But if there, if I could write an epilogue, I think she would. <laughs> because I think that, yes, I think that she would find joy in the light side, right? And which gives us strength, courage, and life, like this quote says. I think we're almost there. Do you know what I mean? Like, I read this quote and I'm like, 
I see it because we're, we got like two thirds of a story that is like perfectly following the heroine's journey. And we almost made it. We almost we're almost there we're because almost there, quality. <laughs> there is this there is this there's this part of me that like does think about this masculine feminine side like this this healing of the split right the healing of the the masculine and feminine at the end of the rise of skywalker you could you could say that that happens because ben gave a little bit of life force all of his life force to ray Mm -hmm. and and i think that you can make the argument that that is what's happening this masculine and feminine energy is coming together in order for life to exist yeah but it's it's a stretch and i recognize it's a stretch but again, like just to return we to the stretch. Yeah, sometimes we got to stretch. And like, I think that here, I, I want Ray in whatever we see her in next to be conscious of the sacrifice because I think that it is so important for a hero's journey, a heroine's journey, anyone's journey, as we've discussed, to be conscious of really what came before. And I get, again, you can argue that she is conscious of that by naming herself Ray Skywalker. But I it's a it's a hard thing for me to do. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard sell. I think that I think that plays into what I was talking about at the beginning of within the the third trilogy itself if it was isolated on its own. I think we could I think it'd be a lot easier to go with this and be like, yeah, like Ben is now a part of her. Yep. She's inherited the masculine and the feminine, all is good to go. But like having the whole picture it doesn't it's not satisfying for Ben's story, I think, and for Ray's too, honestly, but more for Ben's as far as like the family saga of the Skywalkers and him kind of I mean, at least in our perspective, kind of being forgotten at the end of the mm-hmm. film and subsequently at the end of the saga as well. And everything from the creators has kind of hinted at much. I mean, I think like in in like researching this episode, trying to find more discussion from the creators themselves about the meaning of Ben's sacrifice at the end of it, and there was none. And I think that for me that says a lot uh, yeah. because it was kind of the one of the big moments in this film, and the fact that they're not talking about it from their perspective. I think for me is is telling and makes me think that they didn't think about it as much. And it was just kind of like, oh, well, like Anakin, he's got to die. Mm. Whereas that wasn't our perspective on it and it wasn't a lot of other people's perspective on it. It didn't have to be done the same way. He still could have been willing to play that role of being sacrificed. But then – like the other side of sacrifice, like part of the ritualistic sacrifice in a lot of in, the, in a lot of cultures and myths is the atonement side of it, too, that they think that by sacrificing, be it lambs or people or other animals, that they get something else, that they're atoning for the sins of their community. Mm. Um, and that's what we see a lot in like the Old Testament of the Bible. And that's what I'm most familiar with of like having to make these ritualistic sacrifices in order to atone for their sins. And I think that's what we had always kind of hoped for Ben is that he would get the moment of sacrifice, but then he would also spend time living, both getting to be with Ray, obviously, because we're Raylo shippers, but also like passing on what he's learned in a moment of atonement and that that would make everything that he had to sacrifice, including some of his – um, morals and his soul 
for the time that he was on the dark side and the guilt and shame that comes with that and atoning for that for his life by making sure it doesn't happen again. And that's where it falls flat and that like it didn't have to be this copy paste of what happened with Anakin. It could have been something different and it could have been continuing a story too instead of kind of closing the book on it. And again, I I know that we don't actually know where Ben is, but he's not Mm -hmm. there physically anymore. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I think, I think I love how you said, um, if I could write an epilogue, if I could, if I I could be blessed to write an epilogue (laughs) for the rise of Skywalker, similar to the rebels one, (laughs) Ray would be an artist. She'd have this great mural of Ben and she'd be like, you know what? I'm getting that boy back. <laughs> mm-hmm. And here's how I'm going to do it. <laughs> but yeah, it would be I like I hope that whatever we see her next, she is conscious not only of her sacrifice, but also of the sacrifices that have been made in order for her to continue her own journey, too. And that is part of what she brings into her new wisdom on her own heroine's journey. Yeah, Absolutely. There's so many moments of sacrifice in Star Wars just to kind of round it all up that we haven't we didn't even really get to. Mm-hmm. You know, Lando, I don't think we really even talked about Anakin enough um, at the end, but perhaps it's been done a lot. You know, I, I think that that is probably the biggest sacrifice that kind of set the tone for, you know, if you ever read return of the jedi reviews from back in 1983 about how that movie it did something different with the ending than i think anyone was expecting i'm so inspired by that so often i don't know i definitely recommend reading old reviews because i think we kind of take it for granted that maybe we don't take it for granted but i think some audiences take it for granted that you know darth vader became the good guy at the end and saved his son and to luke he was a hero And I think that that was such a radical move made by George Lucas and pushed by George Lucas. And Caitlin was just reading the annotated screenplays. And in speaking of catharsis and really honoring that sacrifice, that scene of Vader lighting the pyre, um, not Vader, oh my gosh, Luke lighting the pyre at the end of- Vader was on it. Vader was on it. Luke lighting the pyre at the end of Return of the Jedi that was added later when George needed when he he saw the cut of the movie he was like no we need a moment here we need a moment of honoring and I think that that is so important and it really speaks to the conversation about like acknowledgement of the sacrifice Mm -hmm. yeah and you know that Luke Luke knows what his father did yeah and I think that is incredibly meaningful right and it, it is kind of crazy to me that it wasn't in the first round and they're cutting the movie together. And then people were like, well, what did Luke just leave Vader's suit on the Death Star? And we're having the same conversation now about Ben Solo's sweater. I know. It, right? it's, it's just interesting. It's, it's, it's very like, interesting. It's the same, same conversations, you know, but except – that was yeah that was done (laughs) george was like right okay and then they they grabbed mark hamill and and filmed the pyre out on the back lot in california (laughs) yeah exactly and it it makes all the difference it It really does emotional yeah it really is Um, yeah 
it's incredibly meaningful. But I think that this is a sad topic. <laughs> it is. There's so many. There's there's just. I'm even thinking of stuff off the top of my head. Even Padme was willing to sacrifice her her senatorial career to become a mother, mm-hmm. which is like if you can talk about small to large sacrifices, large being death, small being not death, small being not death. <laughs> not death. Anything There's, like <laughs> anything that's not death, <laughs> not death is a smaller sacrifice. <laughs> I think that that one. I mean, what you're willing to do, I think, says a lot as well. I think that. We see the idea of sacrifice, like small sacrifice with families all the time of parents, you know, I putting things on hold in order to raise their children, um, working longer hours than they should in order to provide for their families. And that is a small sacrifice. And it, it's done out of love and duty of family oftentimes. Um, but then we also see like, I think on the other side of that, we see the flip side of like parents, like like Han and Leia, honestly, and I know this is a touchy subject, but of like Leia not prioritizing the rebellion or the resistance over Ben and not for lack of loving Ben, but knowing like how imperative it was that she was still a leader in the galaxy and in the resistance and how important it was for that to continue on. But that meant sacrificing some time with Ben, too, and with Han. And those relationships suffered because of it, but not because she didn't love them. I mean, like I said, we've talked about this a lot, and I know it's touchy with some people, but I think that that's another type of sacrifice that happened. And I wouldn't necessarily say that it was the wrong choice because I don't I don't necessarily think Leia made the wrong choice in doing what she did during that time period. But I think there were consequences of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. When so you, I think when you start getting into those like small ones, it's it get it almost gets more complicated in a way. It does because at some point in in our conversation, I think that we've talked a lot about sacrifice, like the bigger sacrifices, but it kind of gets a little muddled. And at what point are sacrifices just character choices? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. or like changing of the trajectory of a character's life and maybe we're all dealing with maybe we're all making sacrifices each day mm-hmm. and that's part of living yeah and i think i think that's true um but it's it's interesting i don't know if you can really scale them right yeah yeah it is hard well i mean that's like with every choice you make and we always talk about how star wars a big piece of star wars is personal choice and everything you say yes to that means you're saying no to something else yep and that can be as big as a big no in a sacrificial way. Um, maybe even your yes is sacrificial of something else you need to be doing. But yeah. it's all like sacrifice is also about choice. So what are you choosing to do? Mm. Deep. <laughs> deep. So deep. <laughs> deep and sad. Deep and very sad. <laughs> Okay, well, I don't think we can get any sadder and or deeper today. (laughs) Is there anything else you want to discuss or bring up in the theme of sacrifice? No, but I'm sure once we stop recording that I'm going to walk away from my mic and be like, and think of all the other forms of sacrifice that we could have talked about. Yeah, we definitely didn't cover everything. We never do in these episodes, so it just means that we'll get another one in the future. 
uh, about this topic too. This is a really heavy topic, but I think it's always, of course, worth mentioning that even at the end of the Rise of Skywalker and, and Star Wars in general, there is always hope. And again, Rogue One kind of exemplifies this and the fact that the sacrifice slash catharsis montage, the music that plays over it is called the Hope Suite. And that is always the takeaway. That should always be the takeaway from Star Wars at the end of the day. So Star Wars is tragedy, but it is also good. And I think that's where we're going to leave this episode, hopefully on a bit of a hopeful note for those of you listening (laughs) uh, in kind of a, a sadder topic than what we usually do. Actually, no, I feel like a lot of our topics are sad. <laughs> That's why we say Star Wars is tragedy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, you should tune into our Clone Wars discussions because we have a lot of laughs on Clone Wars discussions. Yeah, until something crazy sad happens. We're not there yet. The thing right, right now we're laughing about Wrecker and a Spear of Heights. Hope that's so not true. a spoiler. So I think that I will. Okay, we should have put this in our pitch for Clone Wars, but we do have three parts in Clone Wars, but every week part one is different. A fun part. (laughs) (laughs) It's the the mystery part. (laughs) The first week, we had a trivia contest. The second week, we had a lively debate. Who knows what's coming in the third week this week? You'll have to tune in and see. (laughs) But that will be coming out very soon. Um, If you want to find us online before then, you know where we are. We're on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod. My handle is at Caitlin Plusher. Charlotte's is at Clarity. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, our email, wherever you want us, you can find us there. And, uh, if you haven't left us a review on iTunes, please do that. I gave the best iTunes review pitch in our last Clone Wars episode. I can't even like top it, so I'm not going to (laughs) try, but it was so involved and it was so good. So definitely go listen to that and then also leave us a review. Uh, it would mean the world to us, but it does help other people find our show. And we like making new friends here to talk about Star Wars with. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can head on over to Patreon and check out our reward tiers, one of which includes our Discord. So shout out to all of our Discord participants. Um, you guys are great. And uh, you guys can check that out if you're interested. Yeah, and I want to shout out these patrons today. Suki, Kimberly, Fifi, Dylan, Aaron, Emma, Irabelle, Courtney, and Jason, and Joey. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods, the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.